ever will be. And you know it. With the tears in my eyes. The king is back, baby. Acknowledge me. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Top Rope Nation. A special episode, or I should say a special announcement for you this week. If you follow us on social media, you've probably already seen the news. And if you don't follow us on social media, you're about to hear it. We have hired a brand new co-host to fill the third chair here on TRN, and it is none other than good friend of the pod, Jesse Velasquez, host of the Unplugged wrestling podcast now jesse has done a great job filling in when we've needed him here over the last i don't know year or so he does a great job on his own podcast and justin and i you know really wanted to add a third co-host just for flexibility reasons and when it came down to deciding on a co-host jesse made perfect sense and we're thrilled to have him join the team we'll have more on this in the weeks ahead we'll be talking about what this means for his podcast and and have some special announcements in that regard as well. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media. But this also means that we're kind of taking just a, a soft vacation here over the next just about a week and a half, not for very long, but you know, with with a the third man joining the show, we wanted to try to kind of reset a little bit as far as I want to make a new video intro for our live cast that we do on YouTube and just kind of get the plans in motion for this new era of Top Rope Nation. So there is no new flagship episode this week. What you're about to hear is a teaser for a full two-hour podcast that just dropped for our patrons. More on that in a second. But the next edition of the flagship will come at you in about a week and a half. I believe it'll be just Jesse and myself. And then the week after that, all three of us Jesse, Justin, and I will be back with you on the flagship. So we're just going to take about a week and a half off to kind of reset, get things ready, hopefully get ready to make some announcements. we got some exciting things in the months ahead here for the future of the show that we want to let you know about as soon as we can. So stay tuned for that as well. But uh, yeah, big things happening for Top Rope Nation coming up here real soon. So what does that mean for you this week? Well, if you're not a patron, I'm going to give you a, as I often do, 15-minute teaser of the brand new Top Rope Nation Classics episode that dropped for patrons here this week. This was Justin and myself. We went back and we reviewed King of the Ring 2001. As these classic shows often are, this was a really, really fun time. I know I've already gotten good feedback from our patrons on it. And so get yourself a little taste of what we did. And if you want to hear the full show, as always, join the Patreon page. Link here in the broadcast description for just $5 a month. You can even join with a seven-day free trial. Just try it out for free. Sign up, hear the full show, and all of the 100-plus bonus shows here in the Top Rope Nation Patreon archive. Again, the link is in the broadcast description. You're going to be getting even more bonus content over there very, very soon, in addition to Top Rope Nation Extra and Top Rope Nation Classics. we got some big things planned, so stay tuned, join up, or do the seven-day free trial, and enjoy this 15-minute teaser that we recorded this week, the latest edition 
of Top Rope Nation Classics. Talk to you real soon. What's up, everybody? Another edition of Top Rope Nation Classics for you. This is technically our June episode. I recognize it is mid-July now, but we live up to our promises. Had some scheduling issues. You know, the holidays happen, some family trips happen. We thought we were going to have a special guest on this show. That fell through. So it is just Ryan Drosty and Justin Joint here. Justin, how's your week going? How are you doing tonight? Oh, man. I don't know. You know, um, the tagline for King of the Ring 2001, you know, my mind is spent. My body is broken. My muscles ache. Lead me to my throne. Meanwhile, my week is baby still isn't sleeping. I've got a cold sore on my lip. I was just at the chiropractor from moving slightly weird. Lead me to my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Getting old sucks. Oh, well. Rumors of any demise of Top Rope Nation classics are not true because we are here. We are here, Justin, and we are ready to talk about King of the Ring 2001. Now, you know, we have talked 2001 WWF pretty recently with WrestleMania 17. Uh, Was it last year, two years ago? I can't even keep my years together anymore. We did Invasion. So we're here with another 2001 show. And, you know, what we always do at the beginning is we talk about where we were, where was our wrestling fandom? Well, you know, we've kind of talked about that with 2001, Justin. I don't know that we really need to expand upon that. I was 17, super into pro wrestling, you know, getting ready to start my senior year of high school here. And, uh, I mean, I was near my height of wrestling fandom. And uh, I wasn't able to legally drink yet, but that has not, you know, prevented me here in 2023 from pouring a, a pretty tall glass of bourbon at the recommendation of patron frank pettiani i have yellow rose baby i put it out in the facebook group picked it up in chicago recently there it is Guess what i you got in the glass i completely forgot about i was at your house recently and you provided me with an ipa and i completely forgot to ask for maybe a you know a finger of the yellow rose i'm bummed yeah. out i'm gonna need another invite drosty well i'll give you the finger next time Justin. <laughs> this will be new for oh one the number one song well this one was number one for quite some time that spring and early summer from moulin rouge lady marmalade Mm. yeah a guilty pleasure movie of mine Mm. baz lerman yep absolutely number one movie at the time the first fast and the furious Mm. that week i I didn't mind the first one, but boy, I just, I, I can't watch any of them after that. They're just not my kind of movie. I liked the first one. The second one I thought was horrendous. I remember sitting there with one of my good friends and we were making fun of the dialogue as it was happening. It was so bad. Too well, that, Fast, Too Furious. And that didn't have, oh yeah, okay. Too Fast, Too Furious. Is the third one Tokyo Drift without any of the main characters? I never watched another one after the second. Oh, I have not right. seen any of them since. <laughs> to be honest with you. I probably should give some of them a chance, but yeah. I haven't. Yeah. So that's what's going on sports pop culture. So you ready to dive into the show, Justin? Let's do it. All right, let's get in that time machine. We're going back to Sunday, June 24th, 2001. 
WWF King of the Ring. Live at the Continental Airlines Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. We got 17,777 in the building. A lot of sevens there. Uh, <laughs> 16,024 paid for a gate of 1.132 million. And according to Dave Meltzer at the time, this was one of the very few non-WrestleMania gates ever in the U.S. that got to seven figures. There could not have been many of them at that point in time. Uh, merchandise sales, 131,673 at the venue. The show did a buy rate of 0.96, which according to WrestleNomics equates to about 345,000 domestic buys. And, you know, based on what, what they were doing at the time, that's pretty much in line with what the non, well, I guess this is King of the Rings. So technically they called it the big five, but it, it's, it was pretty close to, in line with what the non-mania rumble and non-summerslam shows were doing now of course invasion the next month would do a very good buy rate but otherwise yeah king of the ring 345 uh judgment day had done 302 uh so they're they're pretty close to where they had been uh no way out did 523 though so early 01 they were doing really well of course x7 did a 970,000 buys, North American buys, just a massive, massive number. But then, you know, they started that downswing and it kind of goes with that Austin heel turn, which we talked a lot about on the Mania show. And outside of that invasion buy rate that popped pretty big, uh, they started to trend downward. Uh, Royal Rumble 02 did pretty good again uh, with Hunter's return at 708, X8 with the Hogan involvement, 707. Big buy rates there. But otherwise, if you look at the graph here on WrestleNomics, they're definitely starting to trend downward by the middle of 2001. I'm pretty sure this is the second most financially successful King of the Ring ever, besides from 2000, the year prior. Yeah, let's see. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I, I, I read or heard recently. Yeah, because what did they do? Let's see. Yeah, because 02 only did 271. So we're seeing those declining numbers. 2000 did 440. So they were down from 2000 slightly. Uh, probably a bigger live gate ticket sales, I'd imagine. And King of the Ring 99 did 406. So they had been slightly over 400. And yeah, here they're at 345. So they're trending downward better than 02, though. For sure, but a, a high live gate. Yeah. You know, it, and it's amazing because I, I wonder how much of that is just off of fans' excitement about the potential of the WCW evasion and what's going to happen with that. Because, I mean, outside of that, this entire time frame from basically the main event of WrestleMania X7 going forward for the next, you know, handful of months after that, it's all about how snake bit. WWE is in both their decision making and what's happening with the talent at the time. Cause coming into this card, you know, 
Triple H just got injured. Uh, Eddie is in rehab, so he's gone. And The Rock is basically in Hollywood and doesn't come back for a while. So they're down a bunch of guys, uh, which is why we're seeing Benoit and Jericho pushed up the card as you know your main baby faces because they are still trying to make heel Austin work. Yeah. And I mean, they were definitely coming out of that tag match in May, but then into June, they were presented as a tier below Austin mm-hmm. for sure. They were not viable world championship content. And, and also the problem is, and we'll get into this with the main event, but like during the invasion, you've got Austin as a heel. Yep. Poor timing. Then you have the company trying to present WCW at first as a babyface promotion. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's going to turn heel when they, do, you know, they do the alliance with ECW and everything. But initially, they wanted the fans to get behind WCW, and there was no way that could happen. This is a company that for years had built up WCW as the enemy. Uh, you've got Austin, the WWF champion, as a heel, so that's what they wanted. And you know, I was reading the Observer. Uh, that reviewed King of the Ring, and it's pretty crazy how the plans change. I think we talked about this on the inva- uh, Invasion show, but it's crazy within just a couple of weeks how much plans changed here because going into King of the Ring weekend, apparently McMahon and the WWF had told TNN that Raw was becoming WCW mm-hmm. Raw, and plans were in motion for that. You know, They wanted to have a separate touring brand, four shows a week. That was the plan. So you had, it was going to be WWF SmackDown, WCW Raw. They had informed the network on that. I always thought then, that was backwards, didn't you? Yeah, because Raw was like first. the flagship show. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I think it's because, well, you know, as we're going to be seeing here, what always happens is they present WCW as lesser than, and slightly more people actually watch SmackDown because it was on UPN, mm. which had a bigger, you know, that was a broadcast station, although we didn't get it here, Justin. No, our city didn't right. have UPN. I couldn't watch SmackDown for years, uh, but it was like a free over the air channel in in most cities. And so they actually they were in more homes. So SmackDown had slightly higher viewership. So that probably factored in that decision It was seen by the suits at WWF as the more prestigious show because of that, even though Raw was the flagship show going back to, you know, 93. So I, I I would imagine that's what played into that decision. But I yeah, I always thought that was very backwards, too. When you think about the Monday Night Wars and the struggle to win and Raw won and they're going to make that the WCW show. You know, I, no sense. I find it interesting that you, you said talking about the way heels and baby faces were being portrayed here and how could they've expected the WCW guys to be accepted as the baby faces when in my mind it was like, well, of course they're going to be the baby faces because that's what's exciting. That's what everybody's looking forward to to seeing is these guys coming in. I mean, you look at you know the the reactions that Lance Storm and Booker T and even when DDP debuted in that shitty ass gimmick that they had going for him, you know they got big baby face reactions. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the problem of you got Steve Austin. The fans don't want to boo him. You know, he was he was doing a pretty good job portraying the heel, even though they were still presenting him as a heel. And then as we talked about an invasion, they had the ultimate chance to turn him face again. And they, you know, went the opposite way. Uh, You know, they they had their chances. But, yeah, it was it was all about miscasting and the presenting of WCW. And we'll see this here with DDP and Taker on this show that. 
they were a step below the WWF guys. And so yeah. if you've got that in your mind that the company has trained a lot of the fans to hate WCW, some of them, as you mentioned, definitely popped because they were new faces and it was exciting. Uh, but you, you have your fans trained to not like the brand. And then at the same time, you know, you've got, again, as I said, the heel Steve Austin, there's just a lot of things working against making this work, I think. And then you have everybody getting their ass kicked by the WWF guys consistently, like what would happen with DDP on the show. And yeah. so you just can't buy them as a threat. You don't have the biggest names. I think when they did that raw where Vince purchased WCW, he mentioned all the big names. Remember, he was like, oh, you want Goldberg? You want Sting? Mm-hmm. And of course, Vince was like a heel. But like you put those names out there into the universe, for lack of a better term. And the fans are going to want that and you don't give it to them. And so they didn't have the big names and we saw what happened. <laughs> yep. But, you know, we saw what happened talking about, you know, the failed Austin as a heel push. I mean, that heel baby face decision making I mean, that was almost top to bottom. Screw.